What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? It's Harrison Phillips here, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on the Circle the Wagons podcast on Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills, baby. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we were able to talk to two of the lead draft writers from buffalorumblings.com. You see their articles all off-season throughout the entire season, college football season, and I'm talking with Dan Lavoy and Griff. I don't know if you caught last season's recap of the draft in 2020, but I was fortunate enough to talk with Dan Lavoy. Last season, he had some great insight over the draft picks that the Bills had then. And in this episode, I was able to get both Dan Lavoy and Griff on at the same time to pick their brain on everything and anything, including some general questions about the draft, uh, needs going into the draft for the Bills, uh, where's the draft deep and thin. Then we talk about um, team trade up or team trade down strategy. Um, would you draft an RB, a running back? At number 30, uh, we talk about offensive line. We talk about big nickel, uh, one tech, defensive tackles, uh, tight end. We go into a ton of different items in this podcast, and Dan and Griff gave some really thoughtful insight. So without further ado, BuffaloRumblings.com draft writers Dan Lavoy and Griff. So they are the Buffalo Rumblings Draft Brain Trust at BuffaloRumblings.com, and they bring you all of the great draft and free agency content this entire off season, I'm joined by Dan Lavoy and Griff. Guys, it is so good to talk to you. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, good. Just preparing for the draft, getting ready for it. Yeah, it's exciting to have you guys on. So um, let's talk about, since this kind of goes into free agency, I know you've been um, you know, writing a lot about free agency, Dan, uh, with everything going on. Um, I'll start with you and then I'll, and then I'll head over to Griff. But uh, going into you know the offseason, the Bills obviously you know filled a lot of needs as Brandon Bean tends to do. Luckily, he doesn't leave this one glaring need that the Bills absolutely need to draft in the first round. I mean, in your opinion, through what you've been writing, what you've seen from the Bills offseason, uh, what do you have as the Bills' biggest need or needs going into the draft? I'd say there's definitely a top tier with two positions that stand out to me. Uh, number one for me is cornerback. 
the Bills do have Levi Wallace in place as kind of their secondary starter there. Uh, Taron Johnson in at the nickel. Um, and they've got Dane, ja- Dane Jackson, who the team really likes, coming in into his second year. But there's no really solid starter here and hasn't been for a few years. So I, I think there's room to draft a starter at cornerback. And then edge rusher is the other one. Uh, where they have a decent rotation going with Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, AJ Epinesa coming into his second year. But uh, again, there's not really like a, a really strong starter that they can count on uh, for future seasons. So I think those are your top two needs going into the draft. Griff, what about you? Do you see the same needs? Uh, I definitely concur with Dan, um, although I would add as a third need an interior offensive lineman. You know, they have the, they just signed Feliciano. They still have Mitch Morris, at least for one more year. Um, so they do have their starters from last year, um, all in place and Cody Ford as well. But I think there is a more slightly longer term need for a long term starter along the interior of the offensive line, whether that's center or guard. Yeah. And that's the beauty of Red and Bean is the, the, the positions that you just mentioned. Uh, that you both mentioned are all positions that that they could absolutely take an upgrade at, but they don't have a huge hole at for either of those. But they definitely need to think long term, and that's kind of where where I'll start off with the actual general draft discussion is. And I'll start with you this time, Griff. Um, where do you see this year's twenty twenty one draft class? Which positions do you see it being deep in, and which positions do you see it being thin in? So I think it's the strength of the draft really is is in three key positions and you know i think it's not surprising to anyone who watches the draft uh, or college football that wide receiver is one of the deepest positions you know there there's probably it's going to be another season where maybe five or six wide receivers get drafted in the first round maybe more uh this is, that's everyone from you know most likely first round uh, first pick in the draft to be uh jamar chase maybe in the top five maybe in the top ten uh, all the way down to the end of the first round to uh, some of the some of the lesser known players uh, who we'll maybe talk about later. Um, so wide receivers deep, fantastically deep, all different kinds of all different kinds of receivers. You know, different body types, speed guys, uh, you know, size guys, all different kinds of receivers. Then uh, the next group is offensive tackles. Uh, I think this uh, group in particular has maybe four or five um, first round tackles, and that's just that's just the first round. The second round too is chock full of of options that you know from smaller schools or guys you know that are maybe only good on the right side like Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech uh, that you know could be drafted in in the second round and potentially start uh, either on the left or right side so uh, that's definitely a consideration then cornerback um, as well fantastically uh, deep in this draft you know there's uh, there's going to be possibly six or seven first round corners uh all and same similar to receivers all different kinds tall corners corners that are better in zone corners that are better in man uh so that's i think those three positions are definitely the deepest in terms of weakness um it's not a particularly um high end edge class you know there's no chase young this year there's no oh, there's no elite guy that you can point to and say hey that guy is going to walk in and be the best pass rusher on his team the first the first day. Be the best pass one of the best pass rushers in the NFL as soon as he steps onto the field. You know, it's just not that type of draft um, in terms of edge uh, edge players. And especially, there's a lot of similar body type edge players. You know, if this is a if this is the year your teams look at and you're a three four team and you're looking for a three four outside linebacker that's an edge rusher. This is not the draft for you. 
there's lots, much more um, four, three edge rushers um, in this draft class, particularly. Um, tight end is another uh, weak class, I would say. Um, they're, you know, outside of Kyle Pitts out of Miami, or I'm sorry, outside of Florida. Um, there's really, you know, not an elite tight end uh, that you can point to that set, that really deserves to go in the first round, to be honest. Uh, you know, there's a couple guys that uh, we may end up talking about that have some potential in the middle rounds. Uh, you know, some kind of well-rounded guys, guys that have, you know, are good at blocking and receiving, but there's not really any elite pass catchers in this draft, you know, that that have all the athletic qualities that you want um, in a modern-day tight end. And then uh, the last week uh, class of uh, position groups is defensive tackle. There's really, you know, there's no... Uh, elite defensive tackle this year. There's some guys, you know, some some more uh, three tech guys that are smaller, quicker, um, that have some intriguing athletic traits. Uh, you know, in terms of you know quickness and speed on the inside, but there's no there's no elite you know one tech defensive tackle. There's no uh, defensive tackles that could play both positions, you know, both uh, both techs simultaneously and, and very well. Um, you know, maybe there there might only be uh, one or two that go in the in the first round at all. So, Dan, so so first off, do you have anything to add as far as like strengths or weaknesses? And secondly, if you're Brandon Bean and you've probably run through some mock draft scenarios, obviously, and looking at certain areas and positions of need, when you uh, run through these areas, which positions are you seeing a lot of and that are really tough to pass up on? including needs that you mentioned earlier. And just in general, you see this player like, man, there's a lot of edges or there's a lot of corners or something like that when you're going through your different mock draft scenarios. Yeah, I'm definitely with Griff uh, overall on the strengths and weaknesses of this class. Um, For me, it's very top heavy for quarterbacks. It's very uh, top heavy in, well, really it's just top to bottom, an excellent cornerback class. So the past defenders are, are outstanding. Uh, wide receiver talent. There's some truly awesome players that are going to be picked in the first round and just excel right out of the bat. Um, so when I think about how the Bills would approach this, uh, a couple of the general trends that stand out to me are that uh, the the need for some of these higher end offensive players, the quarterbacks, the receivers, the tackles. Uh, those are pushing some defensive talent down the board in the first round, and you'll find a scenario where, uh, I, like, I mean, you'll you'll find a very good cornerback who you could take in the first round, uh, 30th overall. You'll find a very good edge rusher, potentially the first or second edge rusher off the board could come in the 30th overall pick. Um, I, I also think that there are opportunities when thinking about offensive linemen for the bills to look into that in the second or third round of the draft, I think you'll, you always see a little bit of that reset of the board in day two, you know, the team that picks the quarterback, they're going to want to pair him up with either a a blocker or a receiver in round two. So um, I I think there's going to be a decent number of, of tackles and and guards who escape round one. Uh, And it's going to be hard to, see kind of how many fall all the way down to where the bills are picking, you know, 62, 63, whatever. Um, uh, but I, I do think still that there's opportunities to draft your future starter at right tackle or your future starter at guard or center in round two. 
is that kind of how you see the board lining up, Griff, with, with what you've seen in your in different scenarios that you've looked at? Yeah, definitely agree. I think you know the first round is it's always a wild card. It's always who's going to drop, who's going to drop to thirty. You know, this is something the the Bills haven't really dealt with in years and years and years. And but that's the end of the draft is saying which elite quote unquote elite prospect, which you know prospect deserving of a let's say top twenty pick is going to fall out of the top twenty into your lap. And that potentially, I agree with Dan that you know cornerback could be that that type of that type of fall one of one of these top six corners which are all really good may end up falling to exactly where the bills pick and and maybe the team jumps on it um you know based on their free agency moves that could definitely happen obviously they didn't uh they didn't pick up any um free agents at, at, at corner and only re-signed leave by wallace uh, another another uh you know position that might fall like that dan that dan mentioned is edge and for for an opposite reason it's that the class isn't elite at the top there's not six edge guys that are going going to go in the first round. So if an edge does fall, it may be the second or third or fourth best guy in the edge class. Um, so I, I, I could definitely, I, you know, in the scenarios that, that lay out, when I, whenever I run, you know, these, these uh, mock draft scenarios or, or um, you know, some of the, some of the mock draft um, applications that are available, that always tends to happen is that it's, it's, it's an elite prospect at either edge corner or tackle. So I'll ask you, since you mentioned, um, you know, players falling, and when I think of the top cornerbacks, you know, one of one of these guys falling, and you know, Brandon Bean has his eye on a certain specific player usually, and he'll jump up to get him if he thinks so, or if the price is right. Can you, and I'll, and I'll start with you, Griff, can you see this being a scenario where uh, Brandon Bean actually does trade up maybe a few spots, maybe 10 spots, who knows, and maybe gives up a draft pick? This year, or two draft picks this year, or maybe a draft pick this year and next year, or uh, could you see a p- potential where Bean just trades down actually because it's so deep, and maybe out of these six or seven corners or this this not so elite edge class, but deep in like this round one, round two area, maybe he 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 trades down and and you know picks up some picks. Which by the way, he's never traded down ever. That is something he's never done with the Buffalo Bills or with the Carolina Panthers when he was assistant GM. I mean, when you look at this, do you see either one of those scenarios potentially happening? And and this is where, you know, I tend to, if you ask me what I would do, I would absolutely consider a trade down for, for that very reason is that if you say, you know, both the edge, the needs, your, your needs, your team's needs for this class are deep. So it's, it makes it worth trading down, maybe even out of the first round, obviously, uh, to, to be able to take advantage of that and add more picks. Because even though the the team has its full slate, a full amount of picks, they're not all the same picks. They don't have a fourth round; they have an extra fifth rounder. So uh, that's you know that would definitely be a consideration for me. But in terms of Bean's history and going off what Bean tends to do, he's he tends to trade up. He he or he tends to stay where he is. And I think probably I would have to say that staying where he is is the more likely scenario. Trading up just doesn't uh, make a lot of sense in terms of how much it will cost. It's either going to cost them a, a high pick next year or one of their very valuable picks this year. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's something that Bean's going to to want to do. He's going to want to continue to stock up his, his, uh, roster in the coming years. I don't think he's going to want to give a pick next year. So if I had to guess, I would say the most likely scenario is that the, the team stays put and then just takes the best player available at a position of need. Mm-hmm. So Dan, same question to you. Are you team trade up or team trade down? 
And then what what would you see potentially Brandon Bean doing at that position? I'm I'm always kind of enamored with Bean's uh, philosophy that you identify the player and you go get the player. It's not really about like the value of the pick itself. So like asking trade up or trade down um, for me, it always comes down to the hypothetical scenario of who's on the board. Um, like I, I, I've gone through the list of players and I, I've identified like my rough cutoff point where I would say, if, if all these players are gone, I'd like to trade down because the next 20 are roughly the same to me. Um, so if it gets to that point, I would like to see the bills trade down. Um, I can also see a scenario where some, some guy that is just exactly who they're looking for is there with, you know, pick number 20 or pick number 25 and like being, being will do that. He'll go for it. Uh, I mean, we, we do have to be realistic about what the bills can obtain with their ammunition that they have, uh, picking as low as they do in the draft this year, which is nice. Um, but it does mean that they're limited probably to no higher than like the 15th or 16th overall pick. Uh, getting up to there would require a pretty hefty sum to begin with. And uh, going higher than that is is probably out of the question. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask you this. Um, if it comes down to it and one of the best running backs is on the board at number 30, which is always a, a fun topic with Bill's Mafia. It feels like it's so divisive. It feels like politics sometimes, whereas you're either pro running back in the first round or anti running back in the, in the first round. Um, you know, where do you guys each stand on this? I know how I stand on this. Um, Dan, I'll go right back to you. Um, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, either one of those guys is on the board. And maybe you're in a scenario where all those guys that you mentioned are gone. They're they're off the board, and you could either trade down or draft the running back. I mean, w- what would you do in this scenario? Or would you even consider even before trading down? Like this is, I, I would never consider trading down if if one of those two guys is on the board. Yeah, uh, I've I've thought about this a lot. I at one point back in like November, I was on the ETN train, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. All they need is one more offensive playmaker, and and we're golden. Uh, like I go back and forth on this at the end of the day um, with, uh, with the roster where it's at and, and where there's enough players kind of signed to effectively one year deals to keep us going over the line. I'm not interested in getting like a a running back at certainly not with the top pick. uh, Probably, probably not at all. Um, Give, give me a trade down and that's, scenario and i'll go recoup the value with a couple second rounders later (laughs) griff same question are you are you uh would you take a running back at that position or no i I would not uh similar to similar to dan i've thought about this a lot and you know what i what i struggle with is what 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 is the identity of the team right now and it's a passing team so i'm not saying that a fantastic you know running back who can be a weapon in the passing game isn't worth it like etn like harris actually as well uh, but they're not going to be the focus of the offense. The focus of the offense is the Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley connection. And the opportunity for a first round running back is just not going to be there in terms of touches. And I don't, I don't care how involved they're going to be. The team has so many weapons that at best, they're going to be the second or third best option for the offense. And the, you know, that just doesn't make sense in terms of, uh, in terms of who you're picking in the first round. 
You know, if you want, if you wanted a dynamic, explosive running back, you don't need to pick uh, Travis Etienne in the first round. There's plenty of guys uh, that can fill that role later in the draft that you can also work into the offense that don't carry the same, even don't carry the same expectation that they're going to be, uh, you know, these elite talents um, and need to see this many touches uh, in the offense. So I, I, if if that scenario were to happen to me, I'm definitely uh, a trade down person. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with both of you. I was kind of hoping one of you would say running back so we could have a little bit of, a, of an argument or discussion about it, but um, they just brought it up on the Hump Day Hotline uh, podcast a few days ago. And um, I I have to agree with um, – well, let me know what you guys think of this because as far as being a fan and watching the games and seeing what goes on, it would be – this This is 100% a passing offense, like you said, Griff. It goes in and out through – Josh Allen. The only thing that I would like to add to it is the ability to run when we have to. And and then you kind of have to, you know, look, you know, introspectively is the reason why we can't run because your running backs aren't good enough. And I don't think that's the case. I see Zach Moss and Devin Singletary as solid running backs. I don't think that they are Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. Uh, but I mentioned last week on a podcast, I was looking at the highlights of these guys. And when they're ripping off 20, 40, 60 yard runs, they're not dealing with the same issues that Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are where they have to make a, a miss, you know, have a missed tackle in the backfield right before they can even get to the line of scrimmage. Whereas how many times have we seen that this year? So I would put, and I, and I was just watching a video on cover one earlier today where they had, uh, they broke down the issues with the run game and they kind of gave it this percentage wise. You guys let me know if you think it's around similar. They say um, the issues with the run game were 60% offensive line, 20% coaching and scheme, and then 20% running backs. So if you were to just take that at face value, my opinion is if you get a chance, upgrade the offensive line so that you optimize the two third-round picks that you've taken in you know, consecutive years and optimize the running game that way as opposed to let's let's bring in this shiny new toy, let's let's do it that way. And uh and sure he's great, but I mean, you know, if you don't have good blocking in front of you, I mean are, are Travis Etienne and, and Najee Harris still the amazing running backs that they are in that? I mean, uh, I guess I, I guess I'll start with you Dan. What do you think um when it comes to that or or do you think I'm way off on, on that assumption? I mean, for me, the the reason that ETN appeals to me in particular is uh, it, it's it's his speed element. Um, as as much as I want to like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and what they bring to the offense, the thing that they don't have is is that game breaking speed that can have you know a sixty or an eighty yard run. Um, I I also think that the Bills have kind of box themselves into a coaching like really like a team building challenge now by re-signing all the players that they did uh because it'd be one thing if they left out a right tackle and they didn't re-sign daryl williams or they didn't re-sign john feliciano and then it's clear to everybody involved that open competition let's go you can draft that guy and bring in the rookie and say here here's your chance to start looking at it now though you have two players who were the unquestioned starter last year and they're coming back in. And do you bring in a rookie and say, no, now you're in an open competition. I, I mean, you can, but this is the kind of thing that the players and the coaches would have to, you know, coordinate and, and work out as a team to figure out like, how do we send the right message and bring the most com competitive team that we have? So uh, when I'm looking at like, do you draft the running back? Or do you draft the offensive line? I completely agree tactically 
go with the blocking upgrade because you're you're going to improve your running game. You're going to improve your passing game by doing that. But uh, it's not so simple as putting a square peg into a square hole with the Bills because of that human element. And that's where I think like bringing in the running back is kind of an easier sell because you the only guy he'd be competing with is Matt Breida and he's on you know a cheap one year contract. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Rev? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think to your point, uh, Nate, I think just because you don't draft ETN doesn't mean you can't upgrade and get that skill set that you want in terms that Dan's talking about in terms of a, a game breaker. You know, you you could go in the fourth round and draft JB on Hawkins from Louisville to get that type of explosive, you know, pass catcher, you know, scat back kind of, kind of player. So definitely drafting, not drafting one in the first round doesn't preclude you from that. Second of all, I think Dan, I, I like Dan's point about the, the human element here, but you can't tell me that a rookie second round pick guard isn't going to come in and beat out John Feliciano or Cody Ford. And the team's going to be like, nah, we're going with we're going with Cody Ford. He was here first. Uh, they this is the team that brought in Daryl Williams on a one year contract on a on a just you know take a chance contract. Beat out Cody Ford, the team's previous second round pick, and they had to move him to guard. So I mean I I even if it's John Feliciano who you know Josh Allen clearly loves, the guy's on a short term deal. You know I think I think the coaches understand that you know they're willing to make those hard choices in in order to just improve the team whether that, that affects, uh, you know, a well-respected veteran or not. So you mentioned the speed element, and I'm glad you got to that because uh, we haven't talked at all about wide receivers, um, specifically as far as um, them potentially being a first-round pick, which I haven't seen anywhere. And I don't think that I don't think that they necessarily would pick one in the first round. But I guess in your opinion, like, um, I'll start off with you, Griff, like what are some, what are some traits that you could see the Bills – taking if they take a receiver on day one or day two are they looking for speed only are they looking for size and speed are they any combination of the two are they looking slot is it a slot receiver potentially to replace cole beasley in the long term um is it uh another receiver outside to compete with uh emmanuel day or emmanuel sanders or you know gabe davis and you know potentially become that um wide receiver number two um i guess where do you see that and what what players do you see fit the mold that you like uh, coming out in this draft? So I think uh, I think it's kind of a little bit all of the above. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, first of all, doesn't have the same skill set as John Brown does. Um, so it's it's not it's not an exact uh, fit there, even though you know they're both very good players. And obviously, he's only on a one year deal. So I think you're looking for you know long term replacement there. Um, in terms you know, of John Brown's old role and Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders' new role. Uh, but is there an immediate need? Not necessarily. Um, and I don't think Gabe Davis satisfies that particular need. I think Gabe, da- actually Cover One had a great um, YouTube video where they I broke down some of what Gabe Davis does in the offense. And it's, uh, long story short, it's uh, it's different things than John Brown does. It's, it's a little bit more you know, big slot. It's a little bit more blocking, um, you know, from the slot, a little more crack, crack, uh, crack back blocks. Um, so I think, you know, I, who, who are the team, what's the team looking for? I think they are looking for that kind of like John Brown explosive element, you know, not just someone who's going to run, you know, nine routes all day, but someone who can actually threaten defenses deep and, you know, uh, do comeback routes, do short curls and, 
and create an immediate separation thanks to their speed and threaten, you know, threaten defenses deep. Um, I, you know, slot um, is definitely a need, a consideration because the team does not have, uh, you know, a capable replacement for uh, Cole Beasley either. So I think that's, uh, that's certainly a need too. And, uh, certainly long-term. And then I think, um, I, I, Isaiah McKenzie's role as a gadget player, uh, he's only on a one-year deal. He, the thing about Isaiah McKenzie is, yeah, he's a gadget player, but, and he can return punts, but the team doesn't necessarily trust him to do those things regularly, either kick return or punt return. So I, you know, as maybe the draft proceeds, I could see a situation where, you know, maybe the team says to itself, hey, we can amalgamate a couple of our roles that we currently have in the offense. We can we can draft a player that's Isaiah McKenzie and John Brown and by just drafting one player that can do both of those things. We can draft a guy that threatens, threatens you know, defenses deep and also can return punts and kicks. Uh, so I look at a guy, you know, in the middle rounds uh, that can fulfill that kind of role is Dwayne Eskridge out of West, uh, Western Michigan. A uh, guy that, um, you know, just coming from a smaller school, obviously, but he's a guy that uh, did kick returns for, for Western Michigan and um, has a couple of those, you know, isn't just a deep threat, isn't just a guy who's going to who's gonna run nine routes and run deep, deep down the field on crossers. He's going to, he has a relatively well-developed route tree. And that's a guy I think I would peg, you know, he's he has some negatives, obviously, and that's why he's going to go in the middle rounds. For example, he's, he's already 24, so he's a bit of an older prospect, but He's a, a wide receiver in the middle rounds that I would see that, that I could see the team targeting as kind of like a future, um, you know, uh, replacement for John Brown or replacement for Emmanuel Sanders. You know, if you want to go, if you want to go for value uh, in the middle rounds. Dan, same question. Um, do you see the Bills targeting wide receiver early, or um, in, in which which you know prospects do you like to, to fit the Bills scheme? And uh, and yeah, any insight that you you have on that? Yeah, I totally buy Griff's uh, theory of of distilling down the multiple roles that the Bills have in their receivers on their offense and trying to combine those into one guy. Um, So you're looking at, can we find a player who has the speed that threatens a defense, forces the corners to play off coverage? Do you have a guy who's crafty in the slot and can work his way open who can take the jet sweep or punt return or whatever. So uh, there are a few players who I could, I could easily see being a first or second round pick that fit the mold. And if the bills are comfortable, like committing to that offensive weapon, then uh, we're talking about a guy like Kadarius Tony uh, out of Florida is the classic do everything threat that could easily distill John Brown and Isaiah McKenzie into a singular role. Um, Another possibility for this like speed threat is Rondale Moore. Uh, He's one of the fastest players in college football, came out of Purdue, and um, he's had some injury issues that I think are going to have him dropping into round two or even three. But uh, again, this is a guy who's like a freak athlete, um, and would easily be the fastest player on the Bills and be able to do that jet sweep role or work on the outside. Um, so I, I think it's a totally viable strategy to go for, um, even with the players already on the roster. So I'm kind of curious to see how they play that out because I, I, I think it's a definite possibility. Well, with a player like Kadarius Tony or, or any player, I mean, you mean you mentioned Dwayne Eskridge earlier, Griffin, 
any of these players could potentially overtake Isaiah McKenzie um, on on the roster, take his roster spot because of the deal that he made with the Bills. It was such a such a low risk deal. I think it was only like three hundred fifty thousand dollars in dead cap or something like that in a one year deal. So um, so I could definitely see that. I, part of me thinks that if they're going to draft a wide receiver, um, I feel like they're going to value versatility. And potentially, especially if it's in the mid-rounds, like a kick returner, punt returner as well. For some reason, I get that feeling. Just like I get the feeling that if they do go offensive line in the first or second round, that that player will not just be a right guard or anything. Like he'll either have right guard, left guard versatility or right guard center versatility or right tackle, left tackle or, you know, swing tackle or right guard, right tackle like a Cody Ford or something like that. Um, that seems to be what they what they really value in, in in a lot of their players in general so speaking of like versatility um there there's a position that's out there that uh gets talked about a lot it was talked about so much more last draft than it was this draft and it's the big nickel position and uh the first question i have for you guys and I'll, st- and I'll start off with you dan um as far as the big nickel goes uh the bills were like second worst in the league in giving up receiving yardage to tight ends. Like they were awful. They played really good tight ends in their defense, but and they also dealt with injuries to Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds all season. Um, there were just a lot of issues the Bills had. And that's kind of the position I feel like uh, that Brandon Bean has mentioned that a lot of you know pundits have mentioned for the big nickel, the Buffalo nickel, whatever you want to call it. And I'm wondering if you think at any point in the draft, you think the Bills might uh, look at a player like this, and if so, I always wonder: Do you look at a cornerback, a big cornerback, to fill this role? Do you look at um, a, a safety to fill this role, or do you look at like a good, uh, maybe not undersized linebacker, but one that's closer to a DB size, as far as that goes? Or I, I mean, what do you look for? Do you think they'll target it? And then, if so, what do you look for? Looking at options in the NFL draft. I think the main guy that everybody knows is Hamson Nasruddin, six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounder out of Florida State. Uh, he has the athletic ability to be that uh, nickel defender, but he can also play as a role as a safety. He can be down in the box or play up up top. So um, there's a lot of appeal for him as your hybrid defender. Uh, out, outside of him, I think thinking about cornerbacks. Any of the guys that are six foot one, six foot two, with a little size—that's that's who you want to target for this nickel position. Um, I like the guys out of Syracuse, Ifiatu, Melifonwu, Trill Williams. Both of those guys have real athleticism and they have length, and that could really work out in the slot for the Bills. So, you know, I think to your question, it's it's less um, position and it's more athletic ability and uh, you know body type. So I would. I, you know, would refrain from saying, oh, are you going to go with the corner? Are you going to go with the safety? I think it's it's whichever player has, you know, the athletic ability to run with tight end to, and the size to, to run with tight ends and the athletic ability to run with slot receivers. So, you know, I and I even even the when we talk about body type, I think, um, you know, yeah, you you can have a big guy. You can have a guy that's six three, but you know, a guy that's six one is perfectly reasonable. So I I look at a, I looked at uh, Cincinnati safety uh, James Wiggins as a guy who has you know enough uh, athletic talent, enough size. He's six two, 
uh, enough size to run with run with tight ends. And you know, he's he's a safety, but he definitely has the speed, uh, you know, of a, of a corner. I he's he's a guy that has the insect instincts and you know the man coverage ability definitely to to run with run with tight ends and you know if the team's sitting in sitting in round you know three or four and looking for a guy he's definitely one um I think another one that, that gets another safety actually that gets brought up a lot is uh Tyree Gillespie out of Missouri he um he's only six foot you know he's not a guy that's that's super tall or super big but he um is kind of famous for when Missouri played uh, Florida early this season. He actually kind of shut down Kyle Pitts uh, for the entire game to only one catch, once uh, one short catch, and that's something that no other team in the SEC had done. And, and uh, you know, so I think he's definitely an option if the team's looking. And same same situation in the fourth or or third or maybe fifth round. Yeah, if he's sticking around, I think it's it's hard not to pick him in that role. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, one name I've been seeing um, around mock drafts in the first or second round is uh, Jabril Cox, the linebacker out of LSU. And I know he's a little bit undersized. I believe he's like 220, maybe maybe 230. But everyone's saying how amazing his coverage skills are. So, I mean, first off, do you, do you guys like Jabril Cox to fill any, any of those roles, maybe big nickel or maybe some depth? And do you even see linebacker as a position that they could take later in the draft? I look at the roster and uh, the first thing for me is that they really only have two starting linebackers. And so in a way for me, you you need fewer bodies in the room to have complete depth. And uh, I, so I'm not sure there's room for what would effectively be the fifth or sixth guy on the roster there. That's, that's kind of how I frame it. Uh, but obviously like if you find a difference maker there, like Matt Milano was a fifth round pick and that worked out pretty well. So um, if you find guys who've got, you know, a head full of steam and they have athletic ability, like I, I'm, I'm all for it. 
Jabril Cox is interesting. Uh, absolutely a like starter caliber size and athletic ability. He could play like middle linebacker. He could play outside linebacker. Um, I'm not really sure he's he's built for the slot though necessarily. I think he'd he'd be okay being able to be a slot defender, whereas his athleticism is a plus if he's between the tackles. Um, all in all, I I think he definitely brings one or two wow plays every game he's in. Um, but at least from the tape that I saw, I was kind of looking to see a little bit more consistency than I did. So I'm, I'm not a huge fan of him in particular. I don't know about you, Griff. Yeah, I remember watching LSU early in the season um, and flagging him as a player I wanted to watch during the games. Uh, I think particularly with the one against Mississippi State. And I, you know, there's there's players that jump out on tape that you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's the guy I love. You know, sometimes I love just picking uh a random team to watch on Saturdays and being like, Oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to see who's good on this team. Who's popping out. That happened to me when I watched Zayvon Collins uh, this year. And I was like, who is that Love guy? Zayvon Collins. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I remember when I, when I was watching LSU, I was like, Oh yeah, this, uh, uh, you know, their linebacker core is supposed to be pretty good. And no one was really jumping off the screen. And I, you know, hearing about the athletic ability and everything, you know, it's, it's, it definitely shows up on tape and coverage, but, you know, I think similar to Patrick Queen last year who came out and, you know, was drafted by the, by the Ravens and didn't exactly excel, uh, didn't, you know, he, he started first game on the field, but he didn't actually have a great year. I think part of that is, is it's the same situation of just, you know, not ready to step on the field first thing and start maybe, but is a good developmental guy, but will be overdrafted because of the athletic talent. So uh, we talked big nickel. I want to talk to you guys about one tech defensive tackle. I think it's one of those positions where we don't really talk about a lot as, as a potential need for the Buffalo bills, even though, you know, Starla Tulele, he, he could, we could, there's an out after this year on his contract and uh, they wouldn't have to eat as much dead cap. And then behind him, you have Harrison Phillips, who's, you know, not quite proven yet. Um, you just don't have a lot at that position in the future. Vernon Butler is like, this is his last year. And so we're looking long-term for that position. Um, what are some potential uh, guys that you liked uh, or guys that you could see potentially taking that role in? in, in what rounds are, do you see them going in? I guess I'll start with you, Griff. Um, so like I said before, it's it's really not a – fantastic draft for a one tech. So a guy that's a guy that's, you know, going to be a, uh, a run stopper, um, from the defensive tackle position. That's going to be lined up, you know, uh, a shade, shade over from the center. Um, you know, there's a couple guys, uh, Marvin Wilson out of Florida state, but you know, he's not, he's not going to go any late, any uh, earlier than maybe the fifth round. Um, there's a defensive tackle for LSU, um, who name names escaping me right now. Um, Dan, if you can help me out on that Tyler one. Tyler Shelvin, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Big boy. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, he's, he's 350, he's 350 pounds, but he's not, you know, so he's a, a kind of an immovable object, but he's not going to give you anything in terms of pass rush. Um, he's just, he's, he's there to get in the way. He's not going to, you know, his, his burst isn't great off the line. So, um, there really is not uh, that guy, you know, there's a couple guys out of LSU to, um, or I'm sorry, that of, out of uh, uh, USC um, that have some some kind of hybrid potential, you know, more like a Vernon Butler type. 
but there's really there's not a guy I, I want I would hang my hat on that's that's you know this guy's going to be a first round pick or this guy's going to be a second round pick and could be that role of uh, someone that's going to give you a little bit of pass rush to go with fantastic run stopping ability. Yeah, I mean, if I'm honest, uh, and I'm the Bills, I I don't think I'm just stopping at one tech. I think I'm looking at a three technique too. Um, I mean, so. I am still a huge fan of Ed Oliver. I think he had a, a little bit of a sophomore slump um, relative to how well his rookie year went, but um, I, I still really do like him. And I think this third year is going to be a big one. Uh, either way, it's the stakes are high. Uh, but thing about who else is on the roster besides him, it's Vernon Butler. We just said is kind of the other guy there and he's, he's not lighting the world on fire. So the the bills are going to be thinking long and hard about can we get some kind of an upgrade here even though the draft doesn't have a lot of great choices uh, i i think probably the best player at the position in the draft is alabama's christian barmore um and he could honestly he could go like 14th overall or he could go 30th overall and neither one would surprise me um it kind of depends on how many teams are, are valuing the need of get me an athletic defensive lineman. Um, if, if they don't pick up him kind of in round one, I agree with Griff that the depth drops off pretty quickly and you're starting to look at like a lot of compromising in the mid rounds. Uh, I, I am kind of a fan of Jay Tufele, um, one of the defensive tackles from USC. So he's got some hybrid possibilities where he can do one tech or three tech and, and, offer a little pass rush to go with the the gap clogging. So it there are options, but it's not a great class. So the scouts are going to have to do their homework on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to give you guys a, a couple of uh, scenarios that I've run into. I've run into about like 20 to 25 different mock draft scenarios through uh, draftnetwork.com and uh, completely automated. I did not pick the players and I wanted to see, you know, which positions the bills were looking at, uh, which players specifically came up the most. And I wanted your guys' opinion on, on a couple of these from each round. I only did the three rounds, as you know, you know, with, with anything when, I mean, uh, determining who you would like and who, and who you would like the Bills to draft or or prospects that you liked were, were a lot easier when the Bills were bad. There was only 10 picks. You would need 10 prospects. Like, okay, I got my top 10. And, you know, two or three of those would be quarterbacks. And the Bills never drafted quarterbacks at that point. So um, I want to give you a couple of names that keep coming up this last week that I've been running these scenarios. And let me know what you guys think. Do you, which one would you choose? And uh, and which ones do you like? So, so first thing, let's look at the first round. Um, by far, uh, Edge defender came up the most and uh, we already mentioned some names and the top names that come up are Jason Owa the the defensive end out of Penn State and then Quiddy Pay out of Michigan which is funny because I don't see Quiddy Pay fall to the Bills that often um, but the, it, it continues to do that on this on this mock draft simulator um, Griff I'll start with you uh, when you when you look at either of these two players if either one comes up which one would you pick and uh, would you be happy with that pick uh, I'm taking Quiddy Pay. Um, if that were, if that were to happen, um, you know, he's not, he's not a guy that is a natural, you know, he's not, he's not a body type. He's not a, a, a body type of a natural edge rusher. He's not going to, you know, necessarily turn the corner, but I think his, his elite quality is that he, his, his lateral agility and just his agility in general is fantastic. 
And he pairs that with just massive, massive strength, despite only being like 6'2 and uh, 270. So, uh, you know, and he, he, despite that, you know, he's basically the, the defensive end that the Bills want. They want their defensive ends to be power rushers. He can also give you a little bit of, you know, he's not, like I said, he's not going to, he's not necessarily going to turn the corner, but he can dip his shoulder. He can, uh, he, he pairs that nicely with some nice long speed, some effort plays. Uh, he, I think he's, he's exactly what the Bills are looking for in terms of an edge rusher and away, um, is, is similar, um, similar as a player. He's, he's fantastically athletic. He had a, he had a great pro day, um, just fantastic, uh, elite results, uh, in terms of an athletic profile. Um, he's a little less experienced, um, than, uh, a guy like Quiddy Pay. You know, he's only, he only uh, has two years of college experience. I think he came out as a as a redshirt sophomore. Um, so he's, you know, he's not coming in with a lot of experience. He's not coming in with a lot of production um, either because uh, he actually didn't have any sacks um, his last year he was playing. He also opted out uh, this past year. So, um, but, you know, I, I can see the qualities with Oway as well, but, uh, you know, I think both players would be fantastic fits for the Bills um, in terms of just body type and, you know, what the Bills are looking for. But if, if I had to pick one, it would definitely be uh yeah, if I if I had to choose between those two, I'm also going Pay. I think Pay is going to probably end up being my top edge rusher uh, in this class. Uh, he gives me a lot of like Ziggy Ansa vibes of just that that kind of uh, really athletic, um, but in the trenches sort of way. So he's he's just going. He's going to win with his hands. He's going to win with his power. And uh, not necessarily turn the tackles upside down, but he's he, he has a speed to win um, off the edge. I, I think that's probably the top guy, and I'm I'm with Griffin that away has all of the athletic potential in the world, but uh, like at, at the start of his career, he's still going to be you know a third down pass rush specialist playing here and there until he gets acquainted to things. And I think Pay has the easier path to the field in his rookie season. So now I'm looking at the second round and uh, the the position. First off, real quick, I um, like I mentioned uh, earlier before we started recording, the, the Draft Network never drafts an offensive lineman for the Bills ever um, in its simulations. And the, the one that came up by far the most that was drafted right after the Bills pick, so it was most often available, was Liam, Liam Eichenberg, um, the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. Um, obviously, you guys are in love with Quiddy Pay, so I won't say that, but I mean, you have you have a chance between, you know, Jason Away or Liam Eichenberg. Do you, ch- do you choose Jason Away just like the, the simulator does, or would you have to, you know, potentially think about, I mean, which way do you lean as far as your needs? You know the Bills needs better than anyone. You know these guys. Which one? Which one would you rather pick? Uh, this, this is where it gets tough for me because um, we start falling into the category of like players that I'm not 100% sold on. And, and this is where I'm, I'm starting to call the phones and be like, hey, hey, what are you offering? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Eichenberg. I, I think he's he's got the the body build and the athleticism to eventually be a starting left or right tackle in the league. But I'm not sure that the trajectory is going to get there as certainly as a rookie. Um, so he's, he's not an easy sell for me. And yeah, thinking, thinking about some of the options that would be available to 
with the interior offensive line at the tail end of the first round. Uh, there's, I've, I've often seen Landon Dickerson uh, get talked about, the Alabama offensive lineman, and I, I get worried about him because of his extensive injury history. So, so he's not really up there for me either. Um, I, I really do kind of hold off on thinking about offensive line until round two, based on how I've seen the board going yeah, for as much as it matters, looking at somebody's mock draft simulations at the start of April, <laughs> which will change completely next week. Next week, it'll be all offensive linemen in my simulation. Exactly. exactly. It's so weird. It's so funny. These players haven't played in like three three months but whatever um griff uh same question for you i mean would you would you take away over over a or an eichenberg or even a landon dickerson i i would um and it's not that's not necessarily a need decision that's not necessarily a need thing either i actually don't like um me and eichenberg as much in the first round you know i there's a couple tackles that i would take over him uh like sam cosme or uh, dylan redunes out of out of north dakota who, if you saw his, if you saw his um, senior bowl one-on-ones, um, he just dominated the competition um, in terms of uh, the edge rushers. And he definitely sold me um, after I watched that and then watched the actual senior bowl game. Um, so yeah, there's, first of all, there's a couple tackles I like, I like uh, uh, better uh, than Eichenberg and really Eichenberg himself. I, his athleticism is, is good, not great. Um, so I don't love his fit, even on the uh, permanent left side guy. Um, I think he's, I think he makes uh, a lot of sense on the right side. Um, but so, you know, even, even from a, from a, that perspective, I, I would just prefer a way. Mm-hmm. So in the, in round two, I'm seeing a few different players that, that seem to come up pretty often. We have Elijah Molden, the cornerback out of Washington seems to come up the most. And, um, for, for what I've read and from what I've heard, he's mostly a nickel cornerback, which is a position the bills could potentially upgrade in. Um, over Taron Johnson, uh, you look at uh, Nico Collins, the wide receiver out of Michigan, and uh, and Davion Nixon, the uh, the defensive tackle out of Iowa. Um, what are your thoughts? On, uh, I, and I gave you three names right there, so feel free to have me repeat them. What are your thoughts on those picks? And uh, if it came down to it, obviously we don't know what the Bills take in the first round, but which one of those guys do you like and which which one would you feel most comfortable drafting? I'll start with you, Dan. Yeah, I, I, I definitely go with uh, the D- Davidson, the defensive tackle. I, like I said earlier, um, the Bills could use reinforcements there, and I, I think he's kind of a relatively solid fit in terms of um, like a player who's got some upside at a position that you'd need um, where you're not necessarily spending a premium pick on it. Uh, so, so that's the kind of thing that I could get used to. Uh, with Nico Collins, I'm not really sold on the fit there. Uh, he, so this is we're talking about a six four guy, uh, two fifteen pounds. Um, he's he's got plenty of of vertical ability as as a like deep threat in that he can run downfield and just leap up there and box out guys. Um, I'm not sold on that being the fit for what the Bills need, though, and and what they've been trying to build on their roster. Uh, I, I think they look more for for just outright speed and and separation guys, and and they do have Isaiah Hodgins if they want that that height on their on their team. 
Uh, and then Elijah Molden, uh, I, I think you're, I think you're pretty spot on with kind of projecting him as, as that nickel corner. Cause he doesn't have the size to really be a fit for most teams on the outside. Uh, but I also don't think he really has the size for what the bills should need. Um, where we've been talking earlier about how Taron Johnson, some of his struggles are with like not having enough physicality against some of these bigger slot players. So uh, I think it'd be kind of tough to sell me on him as well. Yeah, I, th- I think Molden, uh, I compare a lot to the Honey Badger. And that's, I think I think that he's going to be a good fit for that role in, in the NFL is that hybrid safety corner, you know, leave him in the, sh- in, you know, not that far from the line of scrimmage, but ju- just have him play robber uh, across the field, blind, you know, back up a little, then just pop guys, uh, pop guys either come from the slot, come from outside, just so we can watch the quarterback, see what the quarterback wants to go with the ball, then just like knock guys out. Cause if you watch his date, it is really, really entertaining um, how he does that. He, you know, that's, that's, that's his highlights are just full of, of that, that type of play where he just knocks the ball out, um, causing, you know, forced fumbles or, or incompletions. So, but like in terms of what the bills are looking for in, in terms of a slot corner, I just don't see it. I don't see the, the size or the quickness uh, from, from Molden. He's, he's much better in off coverage. You don't want to line it. I don't, I don't think you necessarily want to line him up in man coverage. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't see him as a, as a super great fit there. Um, and uh, Nixon, uh, I, I, I agree with Dan. That, that's a solid, if you want, if you want reinforcements at, uh, at three tech, um, he is a guy that has a lot of athletic potential. You know, I think he's just kind of scratching the surface of, of his potential um, in that in that type of role. So he could use, you know, he could use a little bit of seasoning um, when he first comes into the NFL, and that would be a, you know, that would be a great, you know, kind of wave player for the Bills. Um, does the need necessary? You know, is it a great need for for the team? Not necessarily. Is you know, do you want to? Uh, your second round pick to be a guy that's that needs a little bit of development, not necessarily. So uh, I don't I don't love the the fit there, but but it's it's that would be a solid choice. And then yeah, Nico Collins, I I 100% agree with Dan. Is it's his skill set overlaps with, with Gabe, Gabriel Davis way too much. Um, you know, we basically have his role on offense as as a bigger guy. You know, some somebody that's going to go up and get it. Now is Gabe Davis the best player for that role? Not necessarily, but uh, you know, they're very, they're, their overlapping skill set is, is such that, you know, he, he wouldn't be uh, my first choice in terms of picking a receiver, especially when considering the class is so deep. Now talking about offensive linemen, Dan, this is your round where you're looking at offensive linemen. Um, a couple have come up and maybe you have more to add, but I see Brady Christensen, the offensive tackle out of BYU come up pretty often. I see Quinn Miners out of, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater and those are the two guys I'm seeing most often um do you like any of those guys and uh or, or the other guys you're seeing at that uh the bottom of the second round when the Bills are picking offensive line wise that you like yeah I love Quinn Miners uh he's like give him a little time and he will probably end up being a dominant starter for his team someday uh you know we're, we're talking about a division three player whose claim to fame was like doing his home videos of him with a crop top, like pushing trash cans over and stuff, went into the senior bowl, flat out dominated every defender that he was going up against. Um, He's a guy who could play center or guard. And obviously the bills could have long-term needs at either position. Um, So 
this is a kid who's got a ton of strength. He's got mobility. Uh, he he's like an animal in the trenches. Uh, so I'd love to see him picked by the Bills. Uh, round two makes a lot of sense. Um, I I also think again, like you mentioned, like Brady Christensen, um, or some sometimes I see like Jalen Mayfield or Alex Leatherwood come into play. Talking about tackles, um, and, and yeah, I, I think there's like a sweet spot there that that again if if you're looking for a player who doesn't have to start in year one but will be your swing guy who becomes the starter in year two um or or again can compete to start in year one if they show that they're ready and better than the veteran like like pull the trigger this this is where you do it so i think there is talent on the board and they could have that opportunity very much knew you'd mentioned Quinn Weiner, or Meinhardt's uh, Dan, so I, I uh, knew that was coming, definitely 100%. Um, but I'm very surprised you didn't mention uh, Creed Humphrey. Um, the guy has, so first of all, obviously has a, a wrestling background, uh, which I'm sure Sean McDermott is going to love. Um, but he he too, you know, he, first of all, center, center from Oklahoma. He's a guy that, you know, maybe he... The, the negative with him is, is really he's, he's a center only. You know, I don't, I don't think he's, he's going to take many snaps at guard, but he's uh, a guy that's going to be there maybe in the second round uh, that, you know, with a, a little bit of, a little bit of preparation and maybe even uh, if he has a good camp, he can walk in and start at center. And, you know, he's not going to be the, he's not going to walk in and be the, the best center um, in the league. He's going to maybe be a top 15 center or something like that. But for the next, you know, 10 years, uh, that you're getting in the second round, you know, and like I said, he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of uh, uh, flexibility in terms of playing guard. But um, I can see if he's available when the Bills are are picking in the second, that's their replacement for Mitch Morris. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think Creed Humphrey is a player. Uh, he's he's even maybe a possibility in round one, depending how the board shakes out, or again, like a trade down situation. But uh, you put him on the Eric Wood plan. You 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 let him kind of work his way from guard into center as the team has openings available. Um, but yeah, I, I I do love him, and he like I'm looking forward to seeing him play in the NFL. Now we're getting into round three, which is you know I mean we're talking you know ninety something different scenarios where it could happen. I'm just going to give you a few names and let me know what you think about the the players that I see drafted most often in that position, and we're looking at uh, Paulson Adebo. Adebo, I might be pronouncing all these names wrong. I don't know. But uh, Paulson Adebo, the cornerback out of Stanford, I see uh, draft a lot. I see uh, Kenneth Gainwell, the running back out of Memphis, uh, mentioned a lot. And Jordan Smith, the uh, defensive end out of UAB. So, um, you know, I'll start with you, Griff. Do any of those names uh, jump off to you? Um, do you like any of them in particular or any thoughts on, on those guys in general's potential fits for the Bills? Uh, yeah, I actually, um, Adebo is definitely a fit um, just for the role, the type of cornerback role that he plays. You know, he's comfortable in off coverage. He's not, ex- he's not exactly a corner, you know, that has a lot of size, um, but he, he's strong, um, you know, from the, the Stanford kind of defense of, you know, you're in off coverage a fair amount. You're, you're, and you're watching the quarterback you know, a lot of zone. Um, so I think he's definitely a fit. You know, the problem with him is that he um, didn't, he uh, opted out, I think this past year. So, you know, the, there's not a lot of recent tape on him. He also carries some injury problems. 
so I think it's a bit of a risk, but obviously in the third round, that's, that's the, that's the type of risk you take. And he, in that, that's kind of a sweet spot to be honest, because he could come in and, and he has the talent to, to start over, over a Levi Wallace. So I think that's definitely a sweet spot. Uh, Jordan Smith had a UAB. I, I really like, um, I think that might be just a tad too high for him. I could see him being a very solid, very good fourth round pick. Uh, but he's what he's also kind of what the Bills are looking for in terms of length. Um, he had a fantastic. He actually uh, in the one on ones in the Senior Bowl, he was one of the few uh, that gave uh, that gave Dylan Radun some trouble. Um, I, I think Radun's um, beat him most of the time, but that was, he was the, one of the few uh, defensive ends that gave him some trouble. And he's a guy that kind of popped in those drills, and you're like, oh yeah, that guy. He has he has some legitimate talent. He can he can you know, immediately threaten off, uh, offense, NFL offensive tackles in, in a pass rush uh, scenario. So I think, you know, I like him a lot. His problem is that he's got some off, off field issues um, in terms of his history. Um, so that's, uh, that's maybe even, even the third round would be a little bit risky in terms of character issues, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. I like him a lot as a player. What about you, Dan? What do you think of we're, those? We're just okay. not, what about Kenneth Gainwell? We're just not I'm even going to talk about running back because uh, yeah, no, no. Kenneth you, Gainwell. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Gainwell is great. I mean, you know, he he uh, he's a home run hitter, and and that is what the what the Bills need at the position. And he's also a fantastic receiver, which is also what the Bills would uh, would like to have in the position. So uh, he's he's definitely an option, uh, but. Uh, you know, I think I think those first two players, just from a need uh, a need perspective, um, and the round that you're talking about, um, that that I would prefer. But Gain, Gainwell would be a very solid choice as well. Yeah, part of me just in general uh, has a hard time believing that Bean would take three running backs in consecutive drafts in the third round, or maybe even higher. Uh, going back to our running back conversation, but but Dan, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on uh, on Paulson Adebo, um, Jordan Smith, and uh, and Kenneth Gainwell as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll start with Gamewell. I I totally agree with Griff. He has uh, certainly, we're talking about like NFL starter potential. He has speed, uh, receiving ability, and, and those are all good things. Uh, I just think philosophically uh, with with the Bills in particular, it's kind of round one or not at all. They, they have running backs otherwise. Uh, Paulson Adebo, yeah certainly has the potential to become a starting cornerback for the bills. He has the kind of length that they're looking for. Um, like a smart player all in all. So I, I think absolutely he would be able to play in their scheme and, and challenge to start in year one, whether or not he actually gets there. Um, and similarly, uh, as Griff said, Jordan Smith, plenty of potential. He He's a great athlete, but he's also got, uh, the ability to already win one-on-one, which you love to see. Uh, but he was suspended for a whole season because of some involvement with with a like criminal s thing off off the field. So where that's where it comes into play of like the coaches and the staff need to talk to him and find out what's the latest, what's he up to, how has he been since he transferred to UAB, and is everything all all hunky dory now? So. Um, but you know, if that all checks out, yeah, absolutely. We're talking about uh, a player who could develop into a starter. Um, I, I also think you uh, you didn't mention it, but this is kind of if the Bills were going to target a tight end, I think round three-ish is like where you would look into this. So, I mean, I mean we, we got Dawson Knox. We know how he's doing. We, we have 
you know, we have Dawson Knox. Um, so could, could they add another player and where would they do that in the draft? I think with round three, you're looking at a couple of possibilities. Um, Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame is kind of the big boy who's got uh, he's got the size and, and the bulk and he can put you on the ground with his blocking. He's got some receiving ability, but he's still kind of learning the position a little. Um, Hunter Long uh, out of Boston College led the nation for tight ends and receiving this year. Um, but he's also he's not like a freak athlete in the way that uh, Kyle Pitts obviously is far above the rest of the pack. Um, but um, maybe, maybe an upgrade on Tommy Sweeney, who the Bills also drafted out of Boston College uh, in the past. And then uh, Brevin Jordan, if you're looking at like your H-back um, guy who's who is maybe a fullback or, you know, a shorter tight end, but faster overall. And uh, you're hoping can get more yards after catch. Uh, so Brevin Jordan out of Miami could maybe fit that role as well. Griff, I, we haven't even talked about tight ends. What about tight ends on, on your end? Do you, do you pretty much uh, agree with, with Dan on those assessment of where to find tight ends and, and the names he just mentioned? Yeah, I, I really like Tommy Tremble. Uh, I love any tight end that uh, can, that, that just blocks enthusiastically um, because that's something you really never see in college anymore. And, you know, he, he will, he can put the guys on the ground. Um, and you know, he's got, he's got good straight line speed and, you know, I think he's not, he's not, I think he's six, three. I think he, that's what he came out on, on his uh, pro day at Notre Dame. Um, so he's not, he, he's not the biggest guy. Um, but he's, you know, he's big enough. He can also kind of play that H back role, uh, that Brevin Jordan can play. Brevin Jordan, I compare a lot, obviously to his, to his predecessor, Miami, uh, Chris Herndon. Um, he's that, he's that kind of like H back role. Uh, more of a receiver, but like kind of bulky, you know, he, he takes um, some of, some of his, uh, uh, he would take uh, tight end screens. And uh, those are some of his best plays of just like his straight line speed, being able to take that to the house. Um, I, I like Brevin Jordan a lot. I don't know, like, you know, I think in terms of the fit, in terms of the bills, I don't, I don't love it because um, Dawson Knox kind of also plays a little bit of H back role. Um, you know, I think if the team is going to add a tight end, it's going to be someone who, can block effectively and uh, can, you know, has a decent amount of athleticism, but that's probably their first, that's their first contrast compared to a guy like Dawson Knox. So a Hunter Long, I think would make a lot of sense. Um, I think the other name who may, maybe isn't available in the, in the third round, but Pat Fryermuth out of uh, Penn State, his, he, he's kind of a similar situation with Hunter Long. He's not, he's not a guy that's going to, that has a lot of great long speed. But and and that may keep him from being drafted even in the second round. But if, but same same situation. He's just really really well rounded. So if he's available, I think obviously he would be he would be a consideration too from there. First and foremost, I want to thank you guys so much for doing this. Um, I know it was a lot of your time. Um, you guys clearly do some really great work over at the site um, and breaking down everything. I mean, you guys are putting out so many articles per week each week of the season and there's no off season for you guys. So appreciate you guys taking the time out of this that I could, I could really scratch your brain because I've been talking to a, a number of different people around um, the media and, and everything like this. So I'm glad I finally got a chance to talk to you both at the same time. Um, so where can they find all of your great work on Buffalo rumblings.com and where can they find you on any social media or any other platform that you uh, promote or, 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 uh, or do anything with? So uh, 
you can find uh, usually I'm pretty I'm decently active on Twitter. I'm at a griff four two six. You know, uh, I usually post a, a you know retweet uh, all my articles there and and are decently active in terms of the NFL draft community. So uh, especially when I'm uh, when I'm watching tape or or when I'm just watching college football live, um, I'm pretty active on Twitter. And uh, you can always uh, see my articles on Buffalo Rumblings, and uh, my handle on there is just Griff. Um, and obviously, I focus more towards the more towards the drafts, pretty much twenty four seven throughout the year. And Dan, where can folks find you? Yeah, you can find me writing articles for buffalorumblings.com. And uh, if you want to catch me on Twitter, you can find me at Dan R. Lavoy. Okay, great. Well, thank you again, guys, for uh, for coming on. Appreciate all the insight and going over probably about 100 different names tonight and uh, probably went over each name probably at one point. But uh, but thanks so much for your time and uh, look forward to, to following you guys through the draft and uh, seeing what you guys think of what, what the Bills actually do. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thanks, Nate. This was fun. So thanks again to Dan Lavoy and Griff for taking the time and discussing all of those different topics and items and subjects. I'm sure there's a ton of different players that you've probably heard of and maybe some that you didn't. I just wanted to hear their insight on these guys. They've obviously watched them a lot closer than I have. They've read a lot about them and also looked at the film a lot more closely than I ever have or than a lot of probably our listeners have. And... Uh, we actually did a mock draft together too, which I'm going to release uh, before the next episode. So stay tuned for that. So for me, Nate, go Bills. Don't draft a running back in the first round. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. Hey, hey. Who you reppin', what's your team? Who you reppin', what's your team? You know I'm reppin' for my team. I got that challenge on my team. Like a high Jordan Boyer, can you catch it? Can you? Trade day is like a mask, you're not catching anything. Matt Milano making plays, we not scared of any team. Best in the AFC, all the praise of Brandon Bean. You hear Sean McDermott clapping while I'm snapping? Do you? Jerry Hughes will get the sack soon as you snap it. Andre Roberts running back, ain't no just backing. Mafia, we on a ride and we got traction. We got BZ, we got digs. With the stiff arm, treat opponents just like his Feliciano, Deion Dawkins, block defenders like the fence Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us I said no one is blocking us on top of our division So it's clear that it's no stopping us Google best team in the league and we popping up Hey, who you reppin', what's your team? Who you reppin', what's your team? You know I'm reppin' for my team I got a salad on my team it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Uh. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us. I said no one is blocking us on top of our division, so it's clear that it's no stopping us. Google best team in the league, and we popping up. Home game for the playoffs, but you already snow. Gabe Davis is a rookie, but he playing like a pro. Uh. Going through a table, only time we ever fold. Can you dig it? 17, by to take us to the bowl. Hey, uh. don't you run it? No. Oliver and Trey Edmonds gonna be on it. on it. We got Corey, but we barely ever punt it. Never. Cause we just running up the score on our opponent. Uh. We got-
got BZ, we got digs. Single Terry, bout to juke him out of shoes. Make him miss, run it in. Zach, also throw the digs. It's for sick. Terry Johnson, pick six to the house. Take a flick. Hey, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, hey, hey. you repping with your team? Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.